Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. So gear up with the crew as they talk about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you back to the Speckled Truth Podcast. Captain Chris here, by my lonesome. And I guess a little bit by design, but we don't have any guests tonight. Um, it's been so busy at work uh, with the Air Force, and I know the guys have been busy too. And we do have some phenomenal guests lined up, particularly Captain Rousey, uh, David McKee. I think we have Jay uh, Watkins Jr. or Jay Ray. We have Peter Miller. Uh, so just to name a few, we have plenty of folks coming up uh, and we need to get to work. But tonight and today you got me. And so after a long day's work, wanted to make sure that we met our deadline schedule and get this out to you guys. But thanks for sticking with us. My gosh, I know we've been getting some messages, particularly about kind of the release schedule and how, you know, we People wish we had more podcasts, right? We could release every week. But again, with demand of work and family and stuff like that, and this not being our full-time job, this is, you know, something we devote just kind of our free time to. I know that's actually kind of part of the reason and the topics that I wanted to touch on tonight and kind of talk about is really about that, right? About why we do what we do and why we're so kind of dedicated to it, if you will, and how much we really appreciate the followership. It's been insane, man, since like 2013 when I started the Speckle Tree blog. You know how it goes from like one or 200 followers, if that, to now, I think in this podcast alone, we've had it for like a year and a half. We're at close to like 140,000 downloads, which never in a gazillion years, uh, no way I would have ever thought that I'd have a podcast, let alone one that's actually mildly successful uh at that so but we really appreciate again the followership and really appreciate folks just kind of buying into the mission that's the feedback that i I think we get across really all venues right from boat shows to emails and texts to facebook messages to you know even just seeing folks right i mean that's what's been cool is just being able to get out and meet folks as they come through san antonio as i go through their place whatever it is And I think kind of the message has been across the board and that has been, thanks, man. Thanks for what you do for the resource. And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight, you know, and really kind of maybe lay out some misnomers, be super transparent with y'all and talk about what we do here at Speckle Truth and why I do what I do. And so recently right we just came out with like the release 2021 texas tx right the hashtag and the stickers that we had and i'm gonna lay it out there i'm gonna be super transparent and that is i bought even though this is a company it's an llc per se i bought all those stickers man with my own personal money and it i'm not trying to what do you call it like um be a social justice warrior kind of Um, any of that stuff, you know, I'm not trying to virtue signal or anything like that. What I'm trying to say is, dude, I love this fishery. I absolutely love 
this fishery, I love this fish, for lack of better terms. And frankly, without it, and I think most of you kind of talking with a lot of you is that you kind of feel the same. And that is without speckled trout in the world, particularly big fish, big trout, there'd really kind of be a little less purpose, right? In, in, in what we do every single day, right? We look forward to the weekends. We look forward to those days off. Even as a charter captain, we look forward to putting on, putting guests on a big fish or catching a big fish yourself or competing in a tournament. The short is, is that these fish, speckled trout, big speckled trout, are not only financially, you know, um, dependent, like we need them, right? They fuel an industry, a fishing industry, a saltwater fishing industry across the Texas coast, up the eastern seaboard, et cetera. But really, man, they kind of infiltrate into your like soul. And that's really the speckled truth in a nutshell is really tapping into kind of, yeah, not only how to target them and, and catch them, but also kind of tap into that experience, whatever you want to call it, spiritual, whatever it is, um, tap into that experience. And I'll, I'll give a story here in just a sec. But that's what Speckle Truth's about. And I think when you can finally start to kind of dial that in and understand that and start to kind of see a fishery through that lens, that's when you'll actually go, man, <laughs> these are pretty valuable fish. Not on a fryer, not on a dinner plate, but in the Texas waters, in our waterways, in our estuaries. Because again, without a man, I'd kind of be a little bit lost in the world. You know, I, I don't know what hobbies I'd have. I spend and devote a gazillion hours to try to target these fish that have a pea-sized brain and outsmart me perpetually, which isn't hard to do. I'm not a very smart person, but nonetheless, um, you get the idea is that, you know, they, they have something, they have this magic about it. And, and if you go back to my like original Speckle Truth blog post, if you will, back in 2013. Actually, I don't even think it's a blog post. I think it's like an intro to the page itself. And then it talks about how kind of magical, if you will, speckle trout are to uh, to me and to our fisheries. And so anyway, all right. So before we get too, too deep into the conversation, if that wasn't deep enough, you're in for it. Get some popcorn, eye drops, Kleenex, whatever you got. <laughs> um, saddle up, man. We're we're gonna we're gonna dive into some, maybe pull on some heartstrings a little bit here, but nonetheless. All right. So before we get too far into it, I want to actually give a huge shout out to Down South Lore. So, folks who've been following a podcast, our second season, we've had some amazing sponsors. Again, custom Texas Custom Lures, Custom Corky, Mirror Lore. Those are like our OG three sponsors. Uh, now we got real sportswear, carbon line, and in down south floors. Well, down south floors, and this is what I need you to pay attention to, is for this particular podcast, if you've made it this far, is really get out there and I share the thumbnail for the podcast that's released. On that thumbnail, I need you to share it and click done, and I'll send you a box of, I think, eight or 10 packs of down south floors, southern shed, and supermodels. So easy money, just want to show some love and, and appreciation for Down South Lures for what they do for our podcast. They do, they financially fund it, right? And, and it's awesome because it allows us to get on various platforms and grow the message. 
and I'll talk about that here in just a sec, is that, yeah, we are an LLC per se, quote unquote, an LLC of business revenue generating. But I can tell you we're the furthest thing from it only because I don't want to get the, the lines mixed here. But anyway, so again, go on the thumbnail of this podcast release on Instagram or on Facebook and simply share that thumbnail and click done in our comments uh, in the comment thread below that thumbnail. And then we'll randomly choose a winner and then we'll go from there. Okay. All right. So thank you down south. All right. So conservation efforts. I wanted to kind of re look at some of the conservation efforts I feel like we've been a part of over the last couple of years, let's say almost a decade, right? Eight years. And we've, we've actually been able to do quite a few. So the intent was to write a blog about just connecting people to a fish and then let people kind of develop that relationship with the fish. And ultimately it'll grow so much that they'll want to take care of it, release the fish or take what you need and release the rest, right? It'd be more self-disciplined conservationists, if you will. And so as things kind of started to progress, we started to kind of grow our conservation efforts, right? The more money that we made, we didn't necessarily want it, you know, going to buy our own like Corrado K's or, you know, carbon mags and all these different things, right? And kind of reaping the benefits of all the money because of our efforts, but we wanted to deposit right back into the fishery. And I think that's hopefully what people feel is genuine about speckled truth about us is that the money that we do make we put right back into the fishery and the reason we do that it's very calculated for us because we don't want the signals to get crossed that we're doing this again a virtue signal or anything like that we simply do it because we love it we really do love it and we want to give it back to you so really the investment with the money that we make is back into our fishery so we can all, seriously, we can all enjoy them for many, many years to come. So that's kind of what we're about doing. And so some of those efforts that we've been able to do over the last couple of years has been pretty cool. So I'm going to rehash some of those. Okay, so the first is, all right, so our, our boat shows. So you've heard a couple of those boat show stories. When we had the Biloxi boat show with the 300-gallon tank, we've modernized that, if you will. And we've had to have, uh, you know, we, we, the biggest thing is we wanted to create a connection at those boat shows and in a 10 by 10 booth of all places of just having live fish there for people to kind of come up and see. And that's kind of to not only so folk can read about it or see it on video, but as they're actually coming through there with their family and their kids, then you can see a no kidding big trout and go, wow, that is a really, really big fish. And then aside from that, it's really beautiful. Maybe I've never seen a five-pound trout. And so when you really do see them, you really go, wow, that's a that's a really big and, a, and just a really nice fish. And it's really, it's a really pretty fish. And so we've done that now and for three years is at the Biloxi Boat Show, we've had a booth with a live fish tank. The first is that 300-gallon monstrosity of a thing. And in the last two years, we've worked with Mississippi Gulf Coast Research Lab to take the fish that we've caught and actually give them back to the hatchery so they can actually spawn those fish. And as you heard in the podcast with Angelo Cepedos, is that they're really appreciative. And the idea 
And the intent behind that is, is that there are a lot of conservation efforts. There are a lot of agencies literally in your own backyard. You know, you see Heart Research Institute, you see C-Center Texas now, obviously now with the, the freeze kind of coming in full swing and the effects of that freeze. Well, man, these things kind of live within our community. So how can you get involved? And that was kind of part of the intent there is creating that outreach and letting folks know that, you know, there's a hatchery there in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, and you can participate in that by simply going out and catching fish from a certain area so they can capture those genetics, bring them into the fishery or into the hatchery. They can spawn that fish and now you're contributing to your own fishery. So a simple, hey, I want to just showcase a trout to now, hey, we actually can grow the message of something where folks can get involved. That's a huge deal. So Mississippi Gulf Coast Research Lab times three, that's one of those conservation efforts. And this is important because every hat that you buy, every t-shirt that you buy, every, you know, Mirror Lore 27MR that we have or custom, whatever that we have on the site literally know like all that goes right back to this stuff. That's why I'm actually being transparent. I want to share this with you. All right. So those we just recently had this past year, our old school October event. Hopefully folks really enjoyed that. I think we had 263 people sign up. It was kind of a live catch and release format where you basically, you know, took a picture of the fish. We did the drawing and then we send you the prizes uh, admittedly, I was kind of burnt out in social media at that point. And so thank God, Keith Morrison, another guy in Speckle Truth, uh, kind of really stepped up and ran that and ran it super well and really appreciated real sportswear, Waterloo Rods, H&H, Shag Sporting Goods, Captain Caleb, Coastal Waters Outfitters, like all those guys, right, that kind of volunteered their time and their efforts and their money to kind of help that event go off. But we had 263 participants i think we had a i can't remember the total number of fish that we actually had registered but it was pretty cool well, hopefully everybody liked that format but there we were able to raise and give back to a program i think that is almost <laughs> feels like world renowned at this point which is our release over 20 right i say our release over 20 which is dave flad's release over 20 uh, campaign where it just really gets after mindset and so we wanted to make sure that that mindset really sits tight across all estuaries and all fishing circles and angling circles, and that the more people that adopt really that mentality and maybe create that kind of, you know, artificial threshold of like, hey, this is what's appropriate to throw back. That's good. That's good for the fishery. And so we're able to donate, I think, like $2,100 in like 53 cents or something along those lines. It was literally to the penny because we split it right down the right down the center. So that was another huge thing. So we d donated a large sum of money to release over 20. And hopefully you guys are kind of yielding in that benefit uh, from that. So the other thing, uh, so the release 2021 Texas stickers, I touched on that, right? I personally funded those stickers and I, again, I wanted to just eliminate any funny business. I didn't want folks to think that, you know, I was doing this release 2021 Texas, both me and Dave, to try to market Speckle Truth, to try to market release over 20 or anything along those lines. And so to kind of 
remove that fuzziness. I made the deposit. I made the investment personally to buy those stickers so I can just get them out to people as fast as we possibly could, which was a, a huge workload um, to say the least. So I gotta, I'll give a shout out here in a sec. But the, the intent there is so folks can get that sticker, either display it proudly, kind of, you know, rally around, if you will, some, something that came as a result of the freeze. And so I wanted to eliminate, again, any fuzzy optic that we were trying to profit, that we were trying to gain marketing ship or any of that stuff as a result of a catastrophe on our fishery. But instead, um, really wanted to showcase like, hey, I'm invested in this fishery. Let's go. Let's get after making it a better thing. And so one of the analogies I was thinking about recently with regards to kind of like the Texas freeze and I've talked to McBride about it. I've talked to Evan Wheeler, a good friend of mine, about it. Uh, Colton Mitchell, and, and just guys that I know. And, and one of the things that we were talking about is actually Lowell Odom was another one uh, from Texas Custom Lures and Custom Corky. And we we're talking about what the freeze did. And he had, he had been around long enough to see the '83 and '89 freeze. And he's sadly Lowell. If you're listening to this, I'm, I apologize, sir. But you're old enough to to actually remember those freezes, and and I think you had just started guiding, I think in '81 or '82. But what he was saying is that after the '83 freeze, '84 actually '83 was a really good year. '84 and '85, if he were if when when he's telling me this is like '84 and '85 had a really down year, and a reason for that is because. There was less participation on the bays, not that, but those that were participating on the bays, the catch and release and conservation mindset didn't even exist. And so when folks were going out there, fishing was good, even after the freeze, even though they lost. And we saw, I think, a little bit of a bump after the freeze. Those fish were hungry. They were coming out. They were sunning. There were just, there was less competition, all these different things. And the fishing's actually been pretty good pretty good but what happened is is the folks that were participating in the fishery at the time um didn't know about catch and release or conservation or even have that thought in their in their brain and so they just harvested everything and so they saw stock declines or they saw production declines in the subsequent years after the freeze okay so I, i'm kind of like internalizing that story that he's telling me and that's what kind of sparked release 2021 Texas is that, hey, if we actually just recruit some folks, people understand kind of the impact that, you know, the freeze had. And it's not to say that mother nature won't rebound. She's insanely resilient. This has happened for eons and it's going to continue to happen for eons and she's still going to repair herself. The only thing that's unnatural about the natural occurrence of a freeze and a fish kill as a result of a freeze is the amount of participation from anglers like me and you in our fisheries, in our bays. You know, when it's, when it's times 20 of what it was in 83 and everybody's participating and that isn't natural, you can do some serious long-term damage to that. So by encouraging folks to catch and release for the rest of the year, it's not pro catch and release for the rest of your life or anything like that. I'm not beating down the doors at the Capitol. I'm not writing 
nasty grams of Texas Parks and Wildlife and all that stuff. And I know we just had a limit reduction. In no way, shape, or form am I advocating for any of that. All I'm simply advocating for is just to simply catch and release for the rest of this year. And really the and the thought process there is that those fish that had survived, that biomass that had survived, will now have an opportunity to basically contribute to a fishery, spawn a full year, and then now we'll see a rebound next year. If we continue that mindset, now it's only going to get better and better and better. And now we have a better long-term fishery as a result of just a simple self-discipline approach. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to catch and release everything, but if you think about it from that capacity, and that's the first thought in your mind when you catch a fish or you're on a really good bite, chances are you're probably not going to keep a limit because you know how to self-police yourself. And that's the mindset that Dave's getting after release over 20. That's what we've been trying to teach for, you know, since really 2014, I guess, because at the time it was a blog, but the intent there is really just taking care of a fishery. And so that's kind of the rallying cry. And so the analogy that I was using with those guys that I was talking about before was talking about like pruning, pruning your shrubs, right? Outside, I got rose bushes. Well, I live here in San Antonio. We got a ton of snow as a result of the freeze. And frankly, I never want to see snow again. Um, but nonetheless, um, my rose bushes outside, they looked horrible. Um, days after the freeze, completely covered in snow, et cetera, et cetera. If you walk outside right now, I trimmed them back. I pruned them all that stuff that, and I have no green thumb whatsoever. I just know that that's kind of what you need to do. And so, uh, trimmed them back, pruned them a little bit, kind of dusted them off, um, been watering them, all that, all the, all the things that you need to do. The idea is that, uh, now they look great. They're actually getting ready to bloom. It, it looks really, looks really fantastic. And so if you equate that and use that kind of same concept and analogy to the fishery is that mother nature pruned the estuary bush, if you will. She cut it out, right? She, she basically thinned the herd, if you will. And it's really for the betterment of the, if you're pruning bushes and all this stuff, it actually creates a more full, a more productive, uh, long-term, you know, uh, healthy uh, tree, healthy bush, healthy, whatever it is, right? The idea is the same here is that she came in, she thinned out the herd, if you will. She pruned everything back. And then now if we can kind of just let mother nature do her thing and do the right thing by watering it, by taking care of it, now she's going to produce not only this year, but next year she's going to be even more healthy. And so the, it's, it's the same exact analogy. What we don't want to do is, okay, we have a very sick tree or whatever it is out there and mother nature is kind of thinner back. What we don't want to do is cut it down to the stub because now we're not going to get any production. And one of those stories that really rings true to this is the one from McBride, and that is called the Pillars of Coal. And that's the exact same thing, man, is that, you know, when he was telling that story in that podcast about Pillars of Coal, is that these coal miners would go in and kind of strip mine, and they would leave Pillars of Coal to kind of help the miners in the mine and keep them safe. Well, once they were done kind of strip mining that entire mine, 
as they were pulling out of the mine itself, they would actually harvest the pillars of coal. And so same analogy here is, is the one I just used is that really, have we strip minded enough? Has mother nature strip minded? Have we as anglers strip mined the estuary to the point where now after the freeze, we're just harvesting the pillars of coal? I would hope not. Right. And so that is what's behind kind of release 2021 Texas and that hashtag and that sticker is a mentality, you know, not to again, catch and release all the time for the next 25 years of your life. If you do, that's fantastic. But it's about taking care of what you need or take what you need and release the rest. But at least for this year, just catch and release. That way we can make sure that we have not harvested those pillars of coal, that we haven't cut in that tree or that bush down to the stump, that we do have a vibrant and productive estuary. All right. Well, holy smokes. That, that was, sorry about that. I, I get really passionate, man. But I, I just wanted to give some context and transparency with regards to kind of release 2021 and what's behind that sticker, why we did the way we did. Folks were, look, the donations, I'll be completely transparent here. I took three donations after we released it. And I told them, I said, and I'll I'll post the text if you want, but I'm like, look, it it is up to you. I expect absolutely nothing uh, in terms of donations. This is, I just want people on board, man. And so like, oh man, we'll donate to a cause. Send me your Venmo and all that stuff. Super appreciative, but certainly not the intent. But I I just want to be transparent about that too. I've I've been hopefully nothing but transparent since we've really started Speckle Truth about not only catching fish and targeting those fish. We don't share spots. You know, it's all about learning how to fish, not learning how to spot fish, but learning how to think for yourself and use you know, your mind and, and kind of open your mind, if you will. But nonetheless, um, it's all about that stuff. This season, we'd like to recognize one of our newest sponsors, and that is Down South Lures. From their regular four-inch Southern Shad to the five-inch Supermodel and versatile three-inch Burner Shads, it's easy to see why these baits have become a go-to for many Texas anglers. Designed with their unique hybrid tail, its natural swims-in-the-fall action produces big trout not only here in the Texas coast, but across all estuaries. Aside from that though, they're made right here in the USA. So be sure to support this Texas brand that supports you in pursuit of that next big bite. Humbly started making shirts for a few local fishermen. Rooted in simplicity and utility, Reel's minimalist approach is a reflection of what binds the fishing industry together. Now found throughout many coastal retailers, their lineup of comfortable, and functional gear aims to make your time in the water a success. So next time you're gearing up, wear what guides wear and consider real sportswear. Mirror Lure is an iconic inshore fishing lure company found in every angler's arsenal. From their legendary lineup of lures such as the Top Dog and Catch 2000 to their versatile soft plastics like the Little John and Marshmallow, these lures not only catch fish, but have produced for decades. So whether it's a 17MR or a Paul Brown Cerise Fat Boy, always remember to tie on a mirror lure and turn on the bike. Texas Custom Lures and the original Custom Corky have been podcast sponsors for the first two seasons and we're incredibly appreciative. This Texas brand with inputs from the most respectable guides across the Texas coast complete every big trout angler's arsenal. 
with great fish catching colors. My personal favorites, Texas Turnip, Bay Mistress, Plum Nasty, to name a few. It's easy to see how these things produce time and time again. So next time you're targeting that next big bite, I highly encourage you to fish the original custom Corky. And remember, the big girls aren't colorblind. All right, let's get after it. So Mississippi Gulf Coast Research Lab times three for the boat shows. We donated to release over 20 uh, as a result of Old School October. Release 2021 Texas stickers. Um, lastly, K Wigglers and our collaboration with K Wigglers on the color of the truth. And so super appreciative there. I know look, I'm just going to be, again, super transparent. You know, Montgomery Medley from AM Fishing, uh, they came out with, I uh, can't remember uh, what um, color, but it, it does. It looks similar. It is different, but it looks similar. Um, his cat has more of like a black top and it's sat, it sucks, man. I, I'm not going to lie because the release, I think of the truth was like one week after the release of the color that he has. I want to say it's midnight mullet, I think is what it's called. And it's a great color, uh, dark top, super dark top, purple top. Actually the very top is black or it looks super violet, if you will. Uh, then it goes to kind of more of a plum and then it gives way to like, like that pearl silver. And ours is more of like an iridescent, truish plum on top with that um, that pearl silver flor- uh, glitter kind of belly, if you will. I love that two-tone. I'll talk about that here in a sec. But the point there is that the release dates, man, in the, I, I do talk to Montgomery. I mean, we, we don't talk every single day. We talk enough. But when they came out with, with that color and then the release of the truth was like a week later, it was like, oh, this doesn't look good. But I can honestly say, Back in like the summertime was when I was over at Wayne's over at the K Wiggler shop here in San Antonio. And he asked, he said, Chris, if you ever, you know, think of a custom color, let me know and I'll run it for you guys. I'm like, sweet. So finally, like after brainstorming in September, September 4th is when I actually sent him the text. It was on Labor Day. And I'm like, hey, I got a color I really want you to, uh, I really want to produce. He's like, okay, what you got? And so we started kind of production with regards to the truth, the color of the truth. And so really the truth as a result of like the, you know, 27 MR mirror lore release, the jerk baits that we did is really a, a, a purple top, white side or white belly, white side, um, and then a pink throat. That's been consistent across all our colors called the truth. But I couldn't do a pink throat in a K-Wilgers BTS because you'd have to actually, you know, kind of airbrush it on there. And so what we did is we add a little bit of pink fleck to the top to that plum and kind of made it pump, like pop a little bit and give it a little bit more like brilliance. And it really came out good and it's a really productive color and I really like it. And I couldn't be more happy of how it came out. But the story there is that certainly in no way, shape or form, you know, trying to mock or trying to compete with AM fishing and the midnight mullet and any of that stuff. And and I know it looks like fuzzy optic there, but again, man, I, there's no malintent in any way, shape, or form um, between me, certainly, uh, and AM Fishing and Montgomery. But I just want to kind of throw that out there because I did see a lot of hate kind of comments on that. Like, oh, man, it really looks like a lot like Midnight Mullet and stuff like that. I read that stuff, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, that, that's such a bummer, dude, because I don't want it to take away again from the true cause to this, which is... <laughs> 
which is really even funny because if I was really in it for profit and to be cutthroat, I wouldn't donate all the royalties from every sale of the bag that we get um, from each sale uh, to Heart Research Institute or Mississippi Gulf Coast Research Lab. So if I was really in it for cutthroat, I would keep that money uh, and be competitive, but I'm actually donating it all. So again, you can't say I'm that that much of a jerk, I guess, uh, hopefully not. But nonetheless, the, the sale of the truth has been awesome. It's been a super high productive uh, seller for K Wigglers, hopefully because of the color itself. But then aside from that, hopefully people can understand and see our brand on the bag itself, understand the name behind the color, and then know that a portion of of that sale is going to go to, you know, a conservation agency. And Wayne just posted on Facebook that they donated a check to Heart Research Institute. We have more plans, the Speckled Truth crew and I, of actually donating some more money in a more lump sum uh, to Mississippi Gulf Coast Research Lab. So we're trying to hit that dollar threshold, and then we'll actually make that um, we'll actually make that donation. So again, these are ways and, and things that we're hopefully trying to showcase to you to build trust with you, your listenership, your followership, your loyalty of buying a hat, of wearing a hat, of, you know, buying a shirt at the boat show of, you know, buying a jerk bait or a 27 MR or whatever it is, know that that sale goes right back to you it goes back to your fishery. It go, if you have kids, it goes back to your kids' fishery. We're trying to do our best to be advocates for a resource and really put the fishery first, man. Really do want to put the fishery first. If you took it all away, I really wouldn't be hurt you know, about it. If you took Speckled Truth and, and actually imploded it, blew it up, if social media deleted everything, I'd be a little bit heartburned because I spent a lot of time writing a lot of like my blog posts and my articles and stuff like that. I love that writing process. That's kind of really what I'd be super upset about because that's what I enjoy. But aside from that, man, like I just want people to take care of a resource. And so if you took it all away, I'm hoping that the only takeaway that folks would get from Speckled Truth, if it all went away today and the legacy we would leave is that, hey, man, they were good, solid dudes and they were advocates for the resource and they put the fishery first. And hopefully, kind of some to some extent, provided some you know leadership, if you will, to where that's it's socially acceptable. It's acceptable within the angling community, and kind of just stepped out a little bit, and people will follow, and hopefully that's for the benefit of our fishery. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of share all that stuff, you know, with you about what we participated in. For folks that follow us on like social media, I think we're at like almost 19,000 page likes on Instagram or whatever it is, or follows on Instagram. I think we're at like 22,000 or 23,000 on Facebook. We never ask folks to like and share anything, you know, unlike, you know, folks you see on YouTube and all that stuff, because again, we want to be genuine. We want you to really enjoy our stuff. Are we missing out? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're missing out on reach. You know, you can get into some of those algorithms and you can kind of start to kind of reach more accounts and stuff like that. Dude, it's it, it's never been about a popularity contest. It's never been about, oh, I got 100,000 likes. Because honestly, it's irrelevant. I just want 100,000 people to take care of a damn fishery. And if you can do that, dude, we'll all benefit from that in the long run. And I'm cool with that. 
All right. So, um, and that, that kind of goes back to it, right? I mean, I was talking to John McQueen today, a good friend of mine, you know, we're talking about kind of conservation in Louisiana of all things, you know, folks kind of, I'm starting to see a little bit of that trend trending in Louisiana, Devin Denman, Terry Smith, a couple other guys, Mike Herman, just kind of, Hey man, just taking what they need, release rest, not trying to be virtually signaling and anything. They just kind of know what the limit is. It's not 25, 12 inches. It's, you know, whatever they feel is appropriate, whether that is 25 for that day, whatever they got going on, or if it's two or none, um, it's really up to them. But the intent there is, you know, we're starting to see a lot of, you know, fish, you know, swung into the boat, hitting the gunnels of the boat, hitting the console of the boat, flapping around, hitting the rods and reels, you know, folks with carpet flopping around on a carpet, dry carpet and stuff like that. You know, and he was like, man, we really need to do something about that. I said, look, man, I, I get it, you know, but let's face it, man, in Louisiana particularly, because that's my home state, the fact that either they're grabbing them with a dry rag or they're flipping it and it's hitting a console and they're, they're throwing those fish back either way, if they're in good health, obviously, but they're throwing those fish back, that is really, those are two better alternatives than the other alternative, which is everything that comes over the gunnels going into the box. So let's start there. You know, if folks are really trying, encourage them, you know, just try to obviously make sure that, you know, we are doing the right thing. That was something that was really bothering me late last year was I think we, it is becoming a little bit more of a trend of like catching and releasing a fish. Obviously Dave and I are kind of sharing, you know, some more of that stuff. And so people are kind of trying to build their own platforms. I get that, you know, I don't agree with it, but I, I get that. And so we'll share it. You know, I want to reinforce positive behavior. But on the same token is, please, man, one, don't lie about it. There was one fish that was egregiously dead. And the guy's like, fish swam off. It was a 31 inch or something like that. And that boils my blood, man. Because uh, I I try to be an honest person. And so when folks are dishonest, it really bothers me, right? So, but nonetheless, um, again, if you're trying to do the right thing, positive reinforcement, but also to don't just do it just because it's trendy or anything like that. Like if the fish really does have a strong chance at living, try it. If the fish doesn't harvest it, it's simple. Don't release it. Let it drift off five minutes, go belly up and go up or release the fish. I got it on video and send it to me and Dave and we share it. You know, that that's not cool. You know, really do the right thing. Look internal to yourself in, in and really go, is this fish really going to live? You know, um, we have some really cool stories. I really want Kyle to share. I've been trying to get Kyle and Ed on a podcast together to share this story. Um, and I really want him to do that. But in short, it was a fish. It was a story that we got from a follower about a fish that was caught and tagged at like 13 or 14 inches. That fish was caught and released over the course of its lifetime twice other than the initial tagging. And at the very end, when it was finally harvested, the fish was finally harvested. It was a little over 30 inches and it was like eight years later. And so it shows and speaks to the resiliency of these fish. But again, if it's egregiously dead or it's not in really, really like if it's in really poor health, just harvest the fish. But if it does kick off, it's a little lethargic, give it a chance, right? All right.
All right, so a couple more things, a couple more things. The first is stories, stories that have kind of been resounding to me. And two, two kind of ring true over the course of this podcasting endeavor. And I shared them last week uh, on our like Instagram stories to their podcast episodes. And that was Jay Watkins and McBride. Man, I really look up to both of those men. I really cherish our friendship that we have and mentorship that they provide not only me, but the, but all the, all of us, man, at Speckle Truth. Um, they are true leaders kind of, if you will, in legends, you know, again, they'll, they'll punch me in the face if they see me, you know, they always perpetually tell me, you know, that word won't buy them a cup of coffee, you know, but um, in short, man, they've done so much for the fishery, but two, two of the things that they said that really sat with me. And that was for Jay Watkins episode, uh, which boy are you, man? I still think about that's probably, probably the most notable line from this podcasting and endeavor ever. Um, and if you haven't heard the episode to paraphrase, Jay Watkins was telling a story about his kids. Actually, I think it was about him growing up uh, or a story from his dad about boys that are in the neighborhood that he grew up in. And he said, man, they would go down to the bridge lights and they would go fishing and, um, they, you know, they get in some trouble and create some mischief and stuff like that. And, uh, as Jay's dad picked him up or something like that, he told him a story and he said, Hey, he said, um, basically, are you going to be the kid? Are you going to be the, the, the boy that says, man, this is going to kill my old man or no, my old man. He said, uh, man, my old man's going to kill me. And then he turns around and says, but really what you want to ask yourself is, is this going to kill my old man? And it speaks, he was speaking about conservation at the time. And it kind of goes back to kind of an introspective look of who we are as anglers. And if we think about our practice and what we're doing in terms of conservation across the estuaries from Virginia all the way down to here to Texas. Can we look at ourselves in the eyes? You know, can we think back to our relationships with our fathers or whoever that you have loved uh, and share either that fish, passion for fishing for and be able to look at them and say, man, my old man's going to kill me, you know, or is this going to kill my old man in terms of how you carry your life? Man, it was such a powerful episode. I really encourage you to kind of get back there and listen to to Jay tell it. He says it so way, way, way better than I do. But, you know, just that thought process, man, really kind of resounded with me. And that's not only just the fishing, but just in general, how to raise my own kids, you know, and how I interact with my own dad, my own mom, you know, and family and stuff like that. So that was a cool one. The second um, was recently... And that was McBride, um, and I shared it in the Aaron Martin's episode, which was an amazing opportunity, by the way. Hopefully, you had a chance to listen to that podcast podcast episode. I never in my wildest dreams ever thought I'd have a chance to, one, talk to half of these people that I'm talking to. You know, Paul Brown, Doc Weiss, Jay Wright, Jay Watkins, et cetera, right? But nonetheless, you know, talking with Aaron Martins and telling a story about McBride's approach to the conservation. And that was one of his is that you can, you know, you can teach him using a backhand back of your hand, or you can use it in the front of your hand. 
And I always think about that, how I interact with people. Am I using a back of my hand? In other words, being forceful, or am I using a front of my hand, which is more guiding, which is more mentorship, which is consoling and showing them, you know, the right way to do things, being positive, encouraging, all those types of things, man, like that, those two, which boy are you in, are you going to teach him or, you know, are you going to use the front of your hand or your back of your hand? Those two really resound one with me, not only with regards to conservation, but again, kind of in my general everyday life of how I interact with people, especially here in the military. Some days I want to use the back of my hand. Anyway, um, Van, maybe cut that out. No, I'm joking, buddy. Uh, so that's our editor and producer, Van Grafton. He does all of our editing and producing for the podcast. Make sure there's no pops, all that stuff. So huge shout out, Van. Thanks, brother. All right, couple more things. Two things, actually. And I'll start it with a story. And so it was one of, I think, the first blog posts that I actually wrote. And it was called The Knack. And I think you maybe my dad and I had touched on The Knack a little bit. And, you know, it was a camp that we had in Port Sulphur. And The Knack stood for Nikki, Alvin, Charlie, and Keith. And those are the four owners in The Knack. And it was uh, in Happy Jack, Louisiana, right outside of Port Sulphur, down LA-23, just really kind of short of Venice, Louisiana, is where I really kind of grew up, if you will, and fished. That was my home waters. And got lost in a marsh back there. You know, my own boat, before I could drive, that was the whole deal, man, was kind of just getting lost in, in the the splendor and the, and the wonder of the Louisiana Delta, which could be very scary at times, especially when you're stuck and no phone. So, um, nonetheless, it was a trip that Nikki, uh, no correction, correction. Uh, Alvin, my dad, me and his son, Ryan. So my cousin, Ryan, uh, my uncle Alvin, my dad, myself, we made, we were fishing the passes and it was about this time of year. That's why it kind of bring. That's why I kind of bring it up. And it was about this time of year. And the knack had kind of a double meaning. Not only did it stand for the owners of the of the actual, you know, camp itself, but really one of the sayings that you had was, you know, if you were catching them and nobody else was, you had the knack. And it was cool when you would get acknowledged. By having the knack, man, it meant you had the hot hand. That meant you were catching them. You had whatever it was, you were on fire. And it felt good to have the knack. And it felt good for grown men to acknowledge that you as a young man, young angler had the knack. And so, man, that was like gold. You couldn't pay me a check. Um, you could pay me in that, man. Just appreciation for fishing capability. Well, nonetheless, um. I'd never been told I had the knack at that point. I could fish, but my uncle Alvin, Ryan, certainly my dad, they could hold their own. <laughs> and so I'm kind of batting clean up, if you will, and not in a good way. But nonetheless, um, we go down, we run all the way south of uh, Grand Bayou. This is back when we had a series of passes between Shell Island and all the way in Grand Isle. There was a series of passes on the kind of barrier islands in that part of the estuary on the West Delta. And so we would go and wade the surf. Well, the tide was falling. We had a little bit of a southwest wind. And I remember running out of Grand Bayou Pass, which we call Eddie's Pass. 
and we fish the surf breakers on both of those sides, nothing. We run back on the inside. We run, you know, back levee canal through Bejo Wise and all that stuff. And we go out to Chelan Pass in super productive area. Nothing. I mean, completely blank. And so we circle back, we run all the way back and we're looking for clean water. And we, we come all the way back into Shell Island, the tip of Shell Island, which kind of leads right into Bastion Bay, which is a bigger bay on the east side of it. You kind of got Venice, um, the western tip of Venice, if you will. And on the west side of Bastion Bay, that's really kind of Port Sulphur Empire uh, area. And in the middle is just this kind of larger bay and you got Burris on the northeast, if you will. Anyway, look it up. <laughs> it's really just one giant bay now with coastal erosion, but... Anyway, we run to, to Shell Island and we're fishing. It was interesting because the water had fallen out. It had just turned. It was an evening trip and they were concentrating. They used to have a, a whole bunch of old series of stumps on a, on a beach side uh, where there used to be trees there and they were wade fishing the stumps. And I kind of meandered away from the area that they were fishing and concentrating on and it was really kind of when I came in my own and I think I was 11, maybe 11 or 12. And I remember looking on a backside of the Island. There was a little, like kind of like a small back Lake, if you will. And you could just see this mullet kind of grouped up in there. And on the right side of it, kind of, as it opens to the Bay, you had a little bit of a, a drain, if you will, but you had some good tidal flow in there. And I, I knew that water was falling. So I'm like, man, and it was deep enough. It had like knee deep, a little bit over the knee kind of in this little back leak. And so I'm like, man, let me, just, let me just go explore that. It looks too good. There's way too much bait in there, et cetera. And so I'll never forget it, man. I'm looking back kind of West Northwest. Cause that's kind of how your face and making a cast. And I remember working a, a red and white actual Miralore top dog, chug, 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 just top, walking a dog. And all of a sudden, man, boom, big old explosion. And it's, it's a big trout. And it was really the first big trout that I'd ever caught in my entire life. And again, 11, 12, maybe 13, I can't quite remember. But I remember fighting that fish and I remember I was causing a commotion and um, I remember them kind of looking over to me and like, you got one? And I'm yelling back, yeah, big trout. And they were like, all right. And so my uncle Alvin was kind of closest to us in the wade line and he started kind of walking over to me and I'm sitting there in this back lake. I, I had beached the trout. It was like my first true five pound fish. And I remember holding it up, you know, and showing him the fish and he said damn chris he goes you got the knack and he said it in like such a nonchalant way but he you could tell it was genuine you know it was it was definitely like just a true appreciate appreciation for a fish of that size and i actually did release that fish of all things but what stands out to me the most was looking back and, and literally seeing kind of that glow, that sun kind of starting to set that golden hour, if you will, and seeing kind of that yellow, you know, uh, glow on the, on the water. You could see that the dimples from the mullet and just walking that dog and you can kind of see the wake that it's given off. And all of a sudden you just see it come to a screeching halt by this, 
you know, explosion. Um, and then as, as you're fighting a fish, you know, that fish is streaking and you see the bullets like bailing out of there, Pete Rose and like, Oh shoot, you know, and they're getting out of there. But reflecting back, cause again, man, I'm, I'm 40 years old now, you know, reflecting back on that. I still remember that day. Like it was absolutely yesterday. And that's the thing that I can't say enough about why that memory stands out to me so much versus all the thousands of trout that we've caught over the, you know, years of fish in Louisiana Delta, you know, it was nothing for us to have 200 trout days, easy money, man. That was nothing. Um, none of that stuff stands out to me. One fish stands out to me, you know, many others in single catches and or limits, Depends on who I was with, you know, in kind of certain circumstances. But the point being is there's something special about those fish. And that's kind of what I alluded into this podcast with is that they have a magic about them, man. They bring something that you just can't define. You can't put your thumb on. And until you actually do it, until you actually bridge the gap of being a, a meat hauler and just having that pure meat haul mentality to then being a little bit more conservation minded. Again, not all pro catch and release, but take what you need and release the rest and just understand that capability. But there's a, there's a line of appreciation that threads the two. And until you can thread that line from the one to the other, it's, it's hard to understand. And that's what we've been trying to bridge, man, that gap. And I'll, it's days like that day that I'll never forget, man. Freaking 40 years old now. I'll never forget that day. As long as I actually still have the damn top dog. It's sitting like five feet from me. Um, hanging on a little board that I got for all my retired lures. But it brings up, you know, really my last point. And it's more relevant. And it's this dude, Josh Sutton. And so Josh Sutton's been a huge you know, follower of our speckle truth for a long time. And this gets, this kind of sums up the entire show, if you will. And so recently, let me see, that was, when you catch that fish, I think it was earlier this week. Earlier this week, he catches one, it's I think 29 and a half, and he lives in North Carolina. And so Kenley, North Carolina. And so Knowing Josh for a couple of years now, as a result of Speckle Truth, he tags us in a lot of stuff. I've shared a number of pictures. He has, he's a great photographer, actually, too. And so Flip, Flat, Flip Fab Design, I think, is his like Instagram handle and all that stuff. So go check him out. He's got really good stuff. Uh, he, he brings his mom fishing, too. And he, I think he calls her like Mama Bear or something like that. It's kind of funny, too. And she's a good fisherman. Fisherwoman, sorry. But nonetheless, he catches one. And he's like, man, like in the post itself, he's like, there's too many words that could describe this moment, you know, but I'll just let the word or I'll let the pictures kind of do, do the fish justice. And so he posted a bunch of pictures of his personal best, which is like a 29 and a half North Carolina fish monster, right? Monster anywhere. And so in my comment, I put phenomenal fish, dude. And his reply, and this sums up the entire show and hopefully Wherever you're driving, if you're, you know, in a boat, at work, whatever, and you're listening to this podcast, hopefully this resonates with you because I think we've all been there. And he put, thanks, Chris. 
uh, I know you'll get, I know you get how much this fish means to me. I had no idea when I caught that first trout over a decade ago that it would start such an epic journey. And so I invite you to kind of reflect on those words. He started an epic journey, you know, 10 years ago, and it's encapsulated in one fish. And that's why those things resonate. That's why those catches resonate, you know, throughout time. They transcend time, right? I can tell you things like time, location, exact cast that I made, you know, how the fish ate the bait, the fight, the landing job, botched or good or whatever it is. You can tell like all that stuff. The fish characteristics, right? Whether it was fat, whether it was like spotless, whether it had a gazillion spots, whether it only had spots on the tail, whatever, right? All these different things, characteristics of catch. Man, it's like, I can't even remember what I ate this morning, <laughs> but I can remember that stuff from, I'm not going to try to do public math, but nonetheless, you get the idea. I'm older now. A lot older than when I was when I was 13 years old, but nonetheless, um, it, I still remember everything. And I think that same will hold true not only for Josh, but for you, wherever you're at in your trout fishing journey. I would just, you know, encourage you. I really do encourage everyone. I want people to catch their personal best. I do. I sincerely, honestly do. I, I have nothing to prove. I hope you catch a hundred thousand more and bigger trout than I ever do. I will never be jealous of you. The intent there is that I want you to enjoy the fishery because chances are, if you are having success and you've caught a fish that big, you've now kind of shifted your mindset, hopefully, into taking care of a resource and putting fishery first. So that's this week's podcast. Um, I appreciate you listening. You know, I know it's a lot different. We don't have a guest this week. Hopefully, I was able to bridge that gap. Again, we got some amazing guests coming up. Like I said, Captain David Rousey, Jay, Walk Jay Ray, Jay Watkins Jr., um, David McKee, Dr. David McKee, Peter Miller, to name a few, right? And those just kind of jump out at me. I know I'm forgetting many, many more. But nonetheless, the point is we got some awesome guests, man. Super stoked. Um excited to kind of watch this thing grow and appreciate your listenership. So again, I'll remind you to kind of in closing, don't forget, don't forget to share the release thumbnail on Facebook or Instagram and then basically comment done on our post itself. And then you'll enter to win um, a random drawing of like, uh, I will say 10 packs. If it's not 10 packs, I'll buy, I'll go to uh, academy and buy two more packs and throw them in there but again show some appreciation for down south lures and great 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 lures uh, regardless of fishery so nonetheless really appreciate that but hopefully this is a cool one uh, a little bit different one uh, if not please <laughs> hit me up in the comments text me whatever it is and say please god don't ever ramble on for an hour <laughs> again uh, i don't like that so nonetheless all right guys we'll until next time, I want to say thanks. Uh, well, first off, thanks again to Custom Corky, Texas Custom Lures, Mirror Lore, Real Sportswear, Down South Lures, and Carbon Line for all their support for our podcast. Um, we really appreciate it. Leave us a like, comment. I never say this, 
leave us a like comment um on whatever your you know podcasting platform you're listening to us on subscribe to it that helps certainly with algorithm um so we really appreciate that so give us a shout there oh man i was just reflecting just (laughs) hopefully this is a good one (laughs) but nonetheless guys until next time hey always remember take what you need release rest tight lines and god bless god bless